Welcome to the Air Power Airwaves, the Air Power Manufacturing Solutions podcast series where we talk about manufacturing issues that impact you. Hey, this is Travis with Air Power Airwaves podcast, and today I have a new person in the studio that we haven't had here yet. What's up, Brian Gaddy? How are you? I'm doing good, man. All right, welcome. We're going to talk about you in a minute. Kyle, man, you're... You went from doing no podcasts, no videos, to a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. No, I appreciate it. Jai appreciates it. All right, so we've got Jai on the, uh, directing this podcast on the camera over there, so thank you, Jai. All right, today is all things engineering with air power. So, uh, Brian Gaddy, tell me a little bit about yourself and what your role is here at air power. So I've been here at Air Power for a little over three years, um, and I'm the technical um, engineering manager and all, over all the technical team. Okay, so that that team has different types of engineers yeah. in it, different different things. So we're gonna we'll talk a little bit about that moving forward. But um, so engineering is a very integral part of this organization. And it's also, engineering is also not only, uh, you know, what air power is able to, you know, it basically gives us the basis of how technical we can be mm-hmm. taking product to the market. Uh, so we don't have just a simple f- portfolio to open up and go pick one of these as a solution to go. Right. We're not a catalog guy. No. You know? It's not box in, box out, but we can take stuff, make it custom, make it for you, and those guys do it. So you you basically spearhead that team. Correct. And you also work with the other team leaders or other uh, leaders from different areas of air power to make sure that all that gets seamless and smooth. As, as, as well as we can. That's yes. Correct. Well, y'all do. He's not going to brag. They do a really good job. He's not. He's not. There's also so engineers. Uh, Getty's got engineers, uh, bench repair, field service, and an install team. All right. Okay. So, and project management. And project and management. And project management. Yeah. Yeah, we just did a podcast with uh, Dave Hagee that's coming out uh, coming out soon. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. All right, so let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, Kyle? Yes, sir. Your role at Air Power? I'm still the sales and marketing leader. All right, just yeah. wanted to make sure. You never I'm, know. not changed yet. You never know. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I was just making sure you weren't the head janitor yet. No, no. <laughs> I, d- I don't mind picking up trash, though. No, so. Me either. If you see some, let me know. All right, so let's get into this. Let's talk uh, all things engineering today. Uh, we have a team of engineers here. Can you can you give us uh, uh, the scope of the different types of engineers that we have on our so on our got, staff? We've got mechanical engineers on our staff as well as controls engineers. Okay, break it down for somebody who doesn't know what the difference is between those. So we, we kind of laugh, and we sometimes say the mechanical engineers are the guys who draw circles and squares. Um, but they make things come to life, so they do a lot of our design work Okay. Um, for our custom solutions that we provide our customers. And then our controls controls engineers uh, basically handle, handle all the electronics, so electrical components, electrical cabinets, as well as PLC programming, HMI programming, um, screen programming, as well as uh, custom robotic solutions and, okay. and robot, robotic programming as well. All right. Robotic teaching. Yep. Uh, and, and simulating. Y'all do correct. 
So simulating is able, you know, that gives us the power to be able to show the customer what the solution is most likely going to be. And how far can I take And how this far thing? can we take yeah. the Yeah, before we actually pull a trigger, before the customer pulls a trigger and signs the PO. That's right. right. And, and the engineering department is probably the only department that is actually involved in all three phases of the, the purchasing process. They're involved in pre-sale, they're involved in developing the equipment as far as building it, and then they're also involved in post-sale when yep. we have service calls. All right. How often do you guys, it's just a one-off question here, does engineering get involved when the actual installation is being done? Yes. Okay, so you really are from the yeah. one in, from, yeah. from concept to uh, the yeah. last nut and bolt Cra being Cradle turned, to grave. Yeah. And the, uh, the software being... When critical in all parts. Go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can't sell a robot if we don't get on site and integrate it. Correct. And then we got to make sure the program runs successfully. So, I mean, they're they're 100% all the way through the process. How does the engineering team interact with our with our sales team? And we have specialists also. So, so sales team could yeah. be specialist or account manager. So, a lot of times, the our account managers will actually come to us and Sometimes they'll even say, hey, we need you to go to a customer with us to go help us look at, at a possible solution. Okay. So we'll actually go out pre-sale and go help look at the customer's issue that they're having and help develop a solution okay. and then assist the account managers in providing a quote and the, the specialists. All right. Um, Nothing like another set of eyeballs. Right, no. and, and smart eyeballs. Exactly. We, uh, the engineers helped us with the job. We went and looked at, because the account managers find problems, find manufacturing problems, yes. right? And, and we as an organization solve manufacturing problems. And so we found a job. The customer wanted to assemble all 10 of these bolts at the same time. Okay. Customer said, I don't think it'll fit. Vendor said, I don't think it'll fit. Gaddy's engineers said, give me the CAD file. You know, so they took the CAD file, they took the CAD of the tool, and they laid in the tin, they offset them, and they came back and they said, here you go. But it was all pre-sale, you know, just to prove a concept. That's pretty awesome. It was pretty slick. Yeah. It was really slick. Good luck competing with that. <laughs> we don't take the challenge, we'll handle it. All right, so capabilities, tools. It takes a lot of things in your arsenal and your team's arsenal i'm sure to get to get things done right it's not like one one computer program does all or uh so let's talk about the tools that you guys have in the engineering department here okay so mechanical wise we have a 3d modeling software where we can go in and create 3d models of, of anything and then we can basically give those drawings back to the customer to get approval before we ever even cut a piece of metal okay um, we also have some um, some prototype uh, 3D printing at our disposal where we can sometimes, small small objects, we can come in and 3D print and actually give a physical part to our customers and say, this is what it's going to look like when we're complete. That's got to help. That's got to help in the sales process. Okay. So It's extremely critical. We do a lot of custom heads. You know, custom okay. reaction devices, custom heads. I mean, they're one-off, made to order, very expensive. Uh, you 3D print. You know, we do a design, and designs are great because we're basing it off a CAD model, you know, CAD model to CAD model. And then you, you 3D print this, and you get on site, and, you know, they start checking everything. And it's yeah. amazing how many times you're like, oh, wait, I forgot to send you the 3D model of, of this part that we want to do as well. So 
huge, huge part. I mean, us. even as humans, we're so sensory mm-hmm. driven to be able to go, oh, okay, right. that's what it right. is. You and, know, and it helps a lot to see it. You know, it, it's not going to be precise, exactly precise as what the metal would be, but it's it's so much a cheaper solution to actually get a prototype in front of the customer and say, this is what your finished product is going to look like. Yes, absolutely. Let's make sure it fits. Let's make sure it works as intended. Okay, so we we talked about the 3D CAD modeling. Um, We also have some uh, robot simulation software called RoboGuide. And a lot of times we can take line speeds of our painting applications that we have and we can actually plug it into our robot we have here on site with our conveyor and we can actually mimic um, the spray pattern that the customer is going to have on the product. We can give them estimated cycle times. Okay. Um, as well as we can actually see what size robot they need. So for people watching this that, that may not know, yet that we actually have a FANUC robot in our lab that is enables us to do a lot of things both on the finishing side and the assemble side like pretty much all of our competencies you know assemble move and coat uh, with that robot um, I guess um, we we don't we don't rely on another organization to do our programming and our uh, for our customers, the things that we need to get done to make sure that that robot paints that same part over and over again. That's all stuff that we do internally. How how deep does that go uh, as far as things that we do that are, that um, I, I hear the term PLCs a lot, you know, in our organization. And there are other organizations that rely on somebody else to handle that for them. Talk about that just a little bit like on the, the PLC side of what we do? I mean, I, I can't speak to it uh, technically, but from a sales perspective, we can design your PLC, we can then build your PLC, and then we can integrate the PLC. And from my standpoint, that's all I need to know because that's perfect, right? It's one throat to yep. choke. And, and especially with robotics, a lot of times, you know, we can come in and program a robot, but the robot has to have a handshake with something else. So it has to always be talking to all of the other equipment around it. Something's got to tell it what to do. Exactly. So that's where the PLC comes in. And that's yep. where we, we do all, so we can do all of the reach studies. Um, we verify that the payload capacity is correct for what we're trying to use the robot for. Uh, reach studies is the main thing. And then you also have to always worry about your work envelope that the robot's working in. Yep. Work envelope being the the space around whatever whatever area that robot has to go or the footprint the envelope to cover it. Yeah, I want to like hold out my hand. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> too close, Kyle. Too close. <laughs> Your envelope is rejected. Move my chair. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some other things that we uh, we deal with. One of those is uh, efficiency with safety. Efficiency is a big thing, and I know Air Power is, is tries to um, be very efficient, even with our processes, uh, the way we go to the way we go to market. Um, engineering is no different. So we came up with a few things that we wanted to uh, make sure we cover. One of those is efficiency with safety. Who wants to run with that one? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, we we as an organization, but 
all manufacturing strives to be more efficient. I mean, that's the name of the game, yep. right? I and mean, that's if you're more efficient, then you're more profitable. You can get more throughput. Um, but if you're more efficient safely, well, then that's good for your operators too. And so our engineers really come into, you know, like forefront when you think, like you don't necessarily think about an engineered design for safety to promote efficiency, but some of the cool stuff that they do back here, you know, just simple like drum elevators, you know, operator comes over and is straining to get a drum out. Well, we can yep. incorporate a really cool drum elevator that's custom that ties into your HMIs and the PLCs and to make sure this all works safely. Um, you know, working with agitation, uh, torque reaction, uh, all this stuff to ensure that the operator doesn't hurt themselves, but it takes an engineer in order to design that solution. Right. And we do a lot with ergonomics as well. Um, we are always concerned about our customers' operators. I mean, because, you know, OSHA regulations, we're concerned about those as well. But, you know, a safe operator, and, and if we can limit the amount of strain that they have during their shift, with implementing an ergonomic device, right? Uh, then, then it helps them do their job more efficiently. Okay. All right. The second category, or the second thing we're going to talk about in regards to efficiency, is efficiency with data. Data is driving production right now. Um, so, you know, we we are doing a lot with, you know, how much paint are you using to paint your part? You know, if we can show that a customer can save so many ounces of paint per part that turns into dollars and if you right. put that over the course of a year it turns into a lot of money um, or whether or not we need to you know you can run this robot five percent faster and get the same coat yep uh, as far as your finish is concerned then you know at the end of the year that turns into dollars for them because they could paint more parts so everything is you know Data equals money. Yeah, a lot of times. I mean, I've heard, you know, this specific example many times in, in the years that I I dealt with powder that I was selling powder. If you went into a customer that was you know shooting out of Gaylords, you know the big, big, huge amounts of powder, you're delivering that into a system that's got automated guns. Let's say they're going through a you know tractor trailer of powder a month. You know, okay. And it's a lot of powder, lot just of blow and go, you yeah. know. But if the if the part only required and the vendor of the powder, the tech data only required two and a half mils of that powder, once it's cured, two and a half mils on that part, and you're putting three and a half mils on, and you take that one mil and calculate that, that one extra bill over an entire year, uh, it's a significant amount of waste. Yeah. So efficiency with data falls right into that. Yeah. You know, dialing in, it's not just the robot. It's the airflow. It's the, you know, how much pain are we moving through? So you got to back down and, you know, look at the the airflow, the pump, the actual powder itself or the paint itself. There's so many variables, but... Efficiency with data is, is I'm sure, the, what we're looking to encapsulate all of that. All of it. Which leads me to my second thing. Well, which and, is, and on the data, like, how do you make an educated decision if you don't know the numbers? You know, like, uh, like, how do you know you're using too much powder? Or absolutely. how do you know you're using too much paint? Uh, we did do a job recently where, you know, you see, like, the uh, glue bottles on all the stations. 
and operators just pick up the glue bottle, flip it over, and squeeze it. Yep. And they get a glue. I mean, I would. That's a manual dispense, right? It doesn't come out of a machine. It's a glue bottle. Well, the the customer wanted to know well, how much glue am I using? You know, well, the only way to do that is to start pulling data, and he had to do it manually, like actually measuring glue. But I mean, we could, we can automate that and actually get you the data so you can make educated decisions on how you need to buy your glue and if you're putting the right CCs on parts and all that stuff. So they just got done doing a really cool, I don't really know exactly all the details, but it's like uh, keyance meters, metering fluid through a panel, and all the customer wanted was just the data. He wanted to know how much fluid was moving past the meters. All right. Well, and not only that, but Kyle mentioned uh, when you're dispensing as well is, you know, maybe the customer has a requirement where they have to have so many cc's in that glue dispense. So we can automate that and make sure that we're given the exact amount every time. Yep. All right. So, uh, yeah, if you know, thinking about it, growing up in a cabinet shop when you have... Uh, there was nothing automated in that cabinet shop, I can assure you. But my dad was a, was a workaholic and a perfectionist for sure. But he was pretty awesome with the glue, you know, when you're mm -hmm. putting wood together, right? But you think about it, if you put just not enough wood glue in between two pieces, it doesn't have the, the strength long-term, right? But if you put too much glue then you have a mess on your hands that you got to deal with all the extra glue right. pushing out the cost of that cabinet door but, just went up too yeah the, yeah absolutely so by taking data and, and working with that capturing data spending time figuring out how much you know what what you actually need um is is uh is it's profitable it's profitability basically what you're looking and and the part is better because of it right because everything has been tested so let's say somebody goes through all that what how do we do we work with customers on quality documentation you know to take that a step further and like be able to provide i mean most manufacturers have their own set requirements for making sure the product's built to spec okay and so absolutely like when we're looking at opportunities or, or a manufacturing problem you know, do y'all have a specification for this? It could be a torque, it could be a mill build, it could be a CC amount. And then, you know, the, the next question that's logical is, okay, how, how do you know that you got that? Yeah. And then that's when it's like, I take I, our word for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and, and manufacturing's evolved significantly. You know, the old wood manufacturers, I mean, yep. back then the, the labor force uh, loved what they did and they cared and they were meticulous. Well, labor's changed a lot recently um, and the labor force today is significantly different than it was, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we how do we make sure that we're still using people effectively and still getting out good product? Um, you know, kind of rolls all into automation and data and efficiency, so. Got it. All right. So, uh, I think we kind of covered automation, but... Uh... I want to. We can't make a robot plug. Like no, quick. let's let's talk about. <laughs> let, I, I do want to. I do want to talk about something. It's come up on some of our other podcasts, and that that is the de debate when we talk about automation. The debate, you know, in, of is is it going to be all employees go away type scenario, no. or 
what what's the real impact of that? What what's the challenge to the to the employer? So so reasons for automation. Um, and I, I've had, got 25 years of manufacturing experience before I came here to, to Air Power. Okay. Reasons for automation are for, for quality, to ensure quality, to ensure repeatability, or to increase cycle speed uh, to en enhance your productivity. Or you have something that's not safe for an operator and you have to use a mechanical device or a okay. robot to do that. That's the top three. Okay. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's up to the process. I think a lot of times the process dictates what type of automation you use. Um, I don't think you're ever going to be able to get rid of the, the human aspect because, number one, somebody has to program the robots. Mm -hmm. So you, you turn an operator, you know, maybe where you used to have a process where you needed five operators to run an assembly line, you might be able to put two robots in there and you might have be able to have one person that we call a machine tender, right? That they could actually tend the robots, make sure the robots have enough material, and to make sure that the robots are doing what they need to do. But you still have to have a, a person there making sure everything's okay. I, I think, you know, we've seen it. If, if, you, if you watch news at all, if you pay attention to current events in the past, you know, five years, a little bit prior to COVID, going through COVID, post-COVID, there's a significant amount of the population that uh, just doesn't want to work. Mm -hmm. um, and we have, you know, some of everyone watching has probably heard this, but at, in some way or another, but there is nowhere that I go to, whether it be a store, any kind of store, uh, customers that I call on that goes, Hey, we've got a, we we have a fully functional pool of people to pull from. It it's it's right. not. Um, um, all of my um, um, all of my wife and I we have four boys. All of our boys are are working, and in their worlds, there's there's jobs open. Um, you guys know my my wife went through major surgeries early this year, three back to back, and. The nursing, the nursing staff was challenged with with not having enough to pull from. So it's it's in all sectors, it's in all areas. So to me and to a lot of people that we've done podcasts with, where we've had these conversations, they think that that uh, robotics and automation is is kind of an answer to that. You know, to be able to take some of that. Uh, stress off of a manufacturer you guys want to add to that at all well i wanted to add on just one comment though because a lot of people think automation is robots and to, to us at air power robots is just a form of automation correct so in, in our mind automation is just removing human input i mean that could be as simple as just an automating a ball valve you know like instead of the guy walking over there turn the ball valve let's automate it and right. how do you automate it well we got a key <coughs> off of some sort of whatever right some sort of signal um but to us we just want to remove human input to make uh processes more efficient so that could be a robot or it could be an automated ball valve or a custom press or or whatever right um lots of options but it's not always a robot yep agree with thank you for clarifying that should have said automation and robots <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I agree. All right, so those of you who've watched this podcast or listened to this podcast many times, you've heard us talk about Air Power's three categories or competencies, which is assemble, move, and coat. Uh, I wanted to go through, and I did with these guys prior to this podcast, and list out not specific customers, but specific uh, projects uh, that we've done uh, that fall under these different assemble, move, and coat. Some of these, it probably touches all three yeah. <laughs> a little bit, but some of them are very specific to one or the other. So I'm going to I'm gonna pitch these out real quick, and let's talk about them. You know, Just going to lob them quickly, up. Quickly, quickly. Yeah, let's kind of go through it pretty fast. Uh, custom sanitary pump system. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty quick. Let's let's talk about it just real you quick. More than that, yeah. Just describe what it is very very briefly. Uh, so taking a custom pump, tying it in. Uh, I don't remember how y'all tied it in, but y'all tied a signal in to tell the pump to turn on and refill. Right. So very auto I mean, auto fill. Yeah, auto sensor. So high low level sensing. Um, you know, it's simple too, right? They used to have a guy come over and fill it. Yeah. Okay. Well, how do I get it so the guy doesn't have to pick this bucket up and fill it? Well, it's pretty simple. <laughs> Pump, give me a signal, high-low sensors, and let's refill it for you. Cool. Okay, so those those simplistic things can be, if you have somebody coming over to multiple multiple stations in a manufacturing facility that has to have those glue guns refilled or, or whatever, if you had a way of putting that glue gun into an insert mm-hmm. at your station that auto-filled it, and if that saved enough time to where it made sense, okay. Custom press table. So with custom press table, we basically designed all of the press tooling to press in a lot of, of various pieces that went together into a pump. Okay. Uh, so the pallet fixtures had to be custom designed as well as the press fixtures that attached to the press. Okay. Integrated DC torque system with PLC feedback. So a lot of our customers, right, the question always is, did you torque that bolt before you send it out to, to your end customer, right? Um, sometimes our customers get those quality returns where they didn't touch all of their bolts okay. before they went out. So basically this is a, hey, I've got eight bolts that need to be torqued to 10 newton meters. Okay, well, I did nine of them. Oops. What happened yeah. to the other one? Well, we got it as good as we could. Well, so we decide we just you know we set up the feedback to where green light, red light. If we don't see ten good torques, we don't turn on a, a green light. It stays red. All right, right? all right. So you can take that even further too with yeah. vision systems, encoded Correct. arms. Like the sky's the limit. Okay. So yeah, and a lot of times it's hey, do I want this torque gun to just be able to cut on any time the operator grabs it? Uh, or do I want to make sure that I'm in the correct space to where I know that bolt's at an XYZ plane to I, where I, then I enable it to cut on? So. I would imagine that sometimes in these situations the, the, um, the impact of budget from a vendor or from a, from a customer, our quote to the customer, mm-hmm is less problematic than us solving the problem that makes the repeatability increase production and increase profitability 
I'm sure they offset each other very quickly. Very quickly. So yeah. it's okay. Cool. I mean, warranty warranty work. You know, um, potential claims. You know, if you uh, if you buy an appliance, and let's say the appliance goes in a million dollar house, and then it floods, like that, that's a big deal. Big you know, deal. So you could justify, you know, some sort of efficiency gains really quickly through stuff like that. Okay. Ergonomic lift solutions. Again, that's uh, operator safety is key in a, in a lot of our applications. So we try to make sure that we, we keep their lifting. Uh, a lot of times we can go in and do ergonomic studies and, okay. and see exactly, you know, and give that study to our customer. Where it's impacting the employee. So, right. So we right. can look at, you know, repetition and, and where you're, where's the biggest bang for the buck, so to speak. Okay. We had Presto in the last one I was on. Yeah, Presto, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So some of these are using Presto lift tables, making sure we're at the right operator height, and then integrating it in. You know, we can put it inside a conveyor or whatever else we need to do with it. Yep. And they have to be custom designed because no two operators are exactly the same unless you somebody hires twins or triplets, right? So I mean, you got a you got a lady that's four ten working an assembly line, and the next shift the guy's six two that comes in and runs the same station. So yeah, there's going to be have some. <laughs> there's going to need to be some resets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or that or that four ten is going to be on a ladder working, and that's not going to be fun <laughs> at all. Uh, overhead rail system. Yeah, I mean, that overhead rail could go back to safety, ergonomics, efficiency, could go to automation. Yep. Um, we do a lot of overhead rail, you know, uh, push, pulling, lifting, could be a torque tube, uh, could be a custom vacuum device that these guys design, could be a clamp. Um, could be a dispense system. That's right. Up. All right. Uh, fluid pumping stations. Yes. All right. We'll just move on. That's enough said. Yeah. Hoist, hoist systems and jib cranes. So a lot of that goes into the overhead rail systems. Uh, they kind of go hand in hand. Okay. So uh, any anything that needs to be lifted, we can put a, a jib arm in. Robotic paint and powder coating integrations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, like as an organization, uh, finishing to us is, is probably percentage-wise, 50% of our business. Um, and then once you get into this, you know, that's even a bigger part. That's a big portion of that percentage. Um, but just as we continue to gain efficiency, just more robots. We got one in the lab. His guys are constantly back there doing it. Uh, we just, uh, if you follow us on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yep. I don't know if I left any out. Uh, Jai just posted a picture of us, like, unwrapping a, a new robot that came in. But, I mean, it... Uh, Painting's a repetitive motion in most cases. And so that's a great opportunity to, to input an arm that's not going to get tired or complain or do anything like that. You can see on social media with us back there with the robot painting saw blades. Yeah. Like hand saw. Yeah. Pretty cool. I have one of those in my house. I took a saw blade home yeah. after we painted it and yeah, I yeah, bought yeah. a handle. Very cool. All right, paint kitchens. So with all of this robotic integration that we do and you know you have to be able to get the paint out to the applicator right so it has to be able to get out to the gun so a lot of that normally comes from your paint kitchen so yep. we do all of that tubing all of those fittings all of those runs to get that paint from point A to point B which yep. is the end of use and here's where also you could input those high low level sensors you could auto refill 
You could reduce some uh, safety concerns with some elevators for your operators so they're not lifting drums and refilling paint. Uh, a lot of cool stuff you can do in a paint kitchen. Yep. And, you know, and sometimes automation is as simple as when a drum's empty, we turn on a light that tells an operator, hey, your drum's empty, you need to come and refill the drum. And some, I mean, that that's as simple as automation gets. You know, it's just operator awareness, and that you, way you don't you don't you don't run out of paint and the line's sitting there starved, waiting on a material handler to come and bring some more paint over. You could actually program alarms into that stuff Correct. too. You know, audible alarms. Right. Fan design. Pretty. Yeah, booth sizing. I mean, that is a, yeah. a booth is an engineered system based on your need. And so we want to make sure that we design the proper flow. Have the correct proper fan. CFM, absolutely all that. Uh, conveyor integration. Uh, that's a fairly new one to us. Uh, we've performed a couple of projects over the last year, um, where you know just moving product in and out, moving product past a, a lot of assemblers on an assembly line, um, stopping and starting product uh, in the right place at custom automation stations. For the operator to to add components, take away components, things right. like that. Yeah, I went to a uh, a large national manufacturer maybe a month, two months ago, and their initiative by 2025 was to remove all manual push conveyors. Like that was their initiative, and so uh, I'm excited because Gaddy's team is very much involved with, you know, how do we partner alongside that movement, yeah. um, and it's through that that conveyor automation piece. So I'm going to lob this one to you, Kyle. Okay. Is it Kyle? So, you know, we're, we are a distributor. Mm-hmm. I guess you could call us an integrator. Mm-hmm. You could also say that we are kind of a box store because we got, you know, we've got tools on the shelf, parts on the shelf. We've got all of that. What makes us unique when you look at all the different distributors and companies that kind of do what we do, what is it that makes Air Power unique to this? Okay. So uh, a wise man once told me uh, that we offer one throat to choke. I don't know if I can say that on the air. Uh, I'm not advocating <laughs> we choke anybody. Um, but, but we do offer, you know, if, if you need a box in, box out, you just need a spray gun. Like we were founded as a distributor and we still have very much so and rely heavily on our distributor capabilities. We have inventory, so box in, box out. Yep. We can transact that business all day, every day. We also have outside account managers, inside sales, project management, engineers. So we can be a technical resource. We can provide on-site demos. Um, but then we also have this like integrator, custom build, engineered piece. So there's a lot of distributors, box in, box out. And there's also some really, really good integrators. Yep. We fit this really sweet space where we get to take box in, box out product, our engineering capabilities, and make this really cool custom solution. Like that, that's just for you. And then if you want to take that to another level, there's a lot of people that sell finishing equipment. There's, a, there's and then another, like these are like buckets, right? And then right. there's people that do dispense systems, and then there's people that do tools. Well, we do it all. And so... A, a good example, which is, which is more of a rarity, it is in, in this market. It is because most people like take that one bucket and they run with it as hard as they can. 
And so if you if you want to make sure that we'll just use dispensing for instance, because some of like the MD2 valves and stuff for dispensing get kind of heavy, especially when you plumb all the the two part dispense fluid into a line. You know, so you could go somewhere and buy a, a pump and buy your hose and buy your two part valve and your static mixers. But then you might have to drag it across the floor. The operator might throw it over his shoulder and complain about holding this 30 pound thing. Um, but where we get really, really wrapped up and involved and where I think we shine is that one throat to choke where let's do your ramp pump. Let's make sure that we automate it. Let's throw a stack light up, you know, when your low level sensor's down. Let's do your hose. Let's make sure your valve, your proportioning on ratio. But then let's add in our material handling piece or our ergonomics piece and do the overhead rail and the balancer and make this a complete work cell uh, that optimizes efficiency, provides safety for your operator. Uh, and it begins the automation process. Okay. And so our our purpose, right, our engineering team, is we enhance our distribution. Hmm. So truly. So I, like I look at it as I look at it as you know we don't only sell a black and white TV. Now I'm telling my age almost, uh, but we can make your black and white TV color, and then we can also add on all these other components to where you can now record off of it. You can play back on it. You can hook it up to four other things and play four other things on it. Can you put an Xbox on it? Uh, maybe not a black, not a black and white TV. No, we have to make. I'm old enough first. to remember having a black and white TV in our house. I remember having to get up and go on and change Turn the, the channels with right. your hand. Yep. That's right. Or so. or the little the little mini vice grips that you had because all you had yep. left was the little knob. Yep. <laughs> We've all done things that are shameful, yeah. right? Joe also have the telephone. <laughs> like the we did. Okay. You didn't know there was blood in Jaws until you saw it in color much later. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you Dude, both. Thank Kyle, you, Kyle. I appreciate having you. It was in awesome. Here. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, and we appreciate everybody's input. All right, so. This closes out this engineering podcast with Air Power. If you have any questions. Call either of these guys at 1-800-334-1001. You can go visit us online at any of our websites. But the number one website you need to remember is airpower-usa.com. But if you want to catch up on other podcasts you might have missed, uh, you can either go to our YouTube channel, just go to YouTube and search Air Power Manufacturing Solutions, or... Go to YouTube and uh, or go to go to airpowerairwaves.com and you'll find all the podcasts there. Um, so I'm going to close this podcast out like I always do and say, manufacture it a great day. Thank you for joining the Air Power Airwaves podcast. Air Power Airwaves is a production of Air Power Inc. and Air Power Live Studios and is hosted by Travis Steyerwald. For more information, please visit airpowerairwaves.com. For more information on all of our products, brands, and manufacturing solutions, please visit airpower-usa.com. If you have any questions or need product support, please contact Air Power at 1-800-334-1001.